So we are finishing up a series, Don't Be a Snob, with part four. If you are on social media, uh, it's hashtag Don't Be a Snob. And if you want any sermon notes, just send an email to info at bridgechurch.cc. So we're focusing in on James because he writes in a very practical way about the sin of partiality in the life of the local church. Uh, Half of my message is going to be a review of what we have already learned. Uh, A pastor one time preached the same message four weeks in a row. And he had some church members that came up after to him and said, Pastor, you know, it's been a great message, uh, but you have given it four weeks in a row. And the pastor said, I'm going to keep on preaching it until everyone starts living it. And I don't know about you, but I need to hear a message a few times over and over and over again for me to start living it as well. Hey, guys, if we can drop the air down about 68, it's pretty packed in here, so uh, I don't want to be sweating. I got my hanky. I got my hanky out. I'm ready to do the dab here, but do, to do the dab. That's the dab, right? Uh, <clears throat> sorry. That's as good as it's going to get today. Um, Half my message is going to be a review of what we have already learned, uh, but the other half is going to be some other practical information that I want to share. But God is, we talked about how God is absolutely, totally impartial in dealing with all people, meaning that God treats all people the same. And some of us may not like that, but that's just how it is. And God wants his kids to be impartial because he is impartial. That God doesn't snub you because of what you lack. Neither is he impressed because of your status or your wealth. Some questions that we've asked about is, do you value all people equally? What is your reaction to the poor? What is your reaction to the needy? And do you show favoritism based on the color of a person's skin, social status, bank account, education, career, outward appearance? Are you prejudiced? Are you impartial? Are you biased? Are you a bigot? Are you intolerant of different opinions? And, um, you know, when I look out, I see the diversity and we're a church that, that is diverse. Our campus is diverse. We're, we're more in the city. Uh, I look out and I see um, multiracial uh, marriages, and I love that. And that is not unbiblical. Uh, if you don't like that, then this church probably isn't for you. Um, you know, we live in the South, but you know what? Uh, we also, also in the South is love and respect. And, and diversity as well. The word prejudice is derived from the word prejudge. So if you are prejudiced, you have already judged someone based on what they look like without even getting to know them. And James 2.4 says, Have you not discriminated among yourselves and become judges with wrong motives? I talked about how empathy and understanding comes from proximity. When you take the time to get to know people that are different from you, or when you take the time to get to know a group of people that are different from you, 
you start to actually care about people that are different from you. And what I've learned personally is if I'm having a hard time loving someone, the more I pray about that person, the more compassion I have for that person. Because I start seeing the person like Jesus sees that person. There's no place for prejudice, hatred, or favoritism in the heart of God, in the heart of his people, and therefore there's no place for it in the heart of his church. And I'm so glad to be a part of a church called The Bridge that is so loving and doesn't matter what you look like, doesn't matter what your background is, that you are welcomed here. And um, amen to that. Because those that have grown up in churches, it's not always like that, correct? 1 John 3.15 says, Anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Those are some strong words that, you know, we think of, of murder, of actually killing someone. But Scripture talks about how murder is hating someone with your words or your thoughts as well. And, and so that's very convicting. So yeah, a question you have to ask yourself is, am I murdering anyone with how I think about them or, or how I'm treating them? And, and we have to remember that Jesus didn't die on the cross for some people, but he died on the cross for all people, even the person that you may hate. Even the person that you think about that, that maybe did something to you or a family member years ago, God still died on the cross for them. And I'm so glad that even when I walked around just fulfilling the, the selfish desires of my heart and didn't care who I hurt, that God still pursued my heart 15, 20 years ago. And then he didn't let up. And the same thing he's doing with you. We also talked about what is your reaction to the poor and the needy and the broken. Oftentimes, we don't know what people have been through. And instead of of having condemnation, you should have compassion if you are a Christ follower. And I guarantee you, if you just took the time to get to know some people, maybe at work, if you got to take, take the time to, to get to know some people around town. Uh, I was talking with, with, a, uh, with a couple today, and, um, you know, she struggled a little bit as far as uh, just kind of the, the needy and, and, the, and the homeless. And um, recently a guy came up to her and said, can I wash your windows? And she's like, uh, I don't know. But she didn't want to be a snob. And she was thinking about this series. And so she let the guy wash her windows. And he did a terrible job of washing her windows. I think, I think the windows were more dirtier after he washed them than before. But she allowed him to do this and to just take the time to kind of get to know him a little bit. And, uh, and I think she gave him a few bucks as well. When you give your time and resources to the poor and needy, you have the heart of God. So do you have the heart of God? 
You can tweet this if you want. True conversion in a person's life will turn greed into generosity. True conversion in a person's life will turn greed into generosity. The more you fall in love with Jesus and realize this life is temporary, you will be more focused on what you can give instead of what you can get. Think about how you were living your life before Christ, before you really got serious. And do you see, can, 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 do you see in yourself, but can other people say that you are so much more generous now than you ever were before? And I'm not just talking about money. Yes, money's part of that. <clears throat> but you know what? I know some people that go to the bridge that are broke, man. They are broke. And, uh, you know, their checkbook is like, Ten five dollars balance by the end of the month, but you know what they are? They give with their time, and they give financially whatever they can. But they give with their time, and they give with their gifts. There are some people I know right now, looking around. I know there's some people I know that right now that don't have a job, that have been unemployed for several months. But you know what they do? They serve, and they make a difference in the bridge, and they serve out in the community. And yes, they're looking for jobs, and, and, and they're working hard trying to do that, but they haven't been able to find anything. So they're saying, God, I don't want to just sit around. I want to make a difference in people's lives. I want to make a difference in my church. I want to make a difference in my community. And do you think God's going to bless that mentality? You bet he is. You bet he is, and, and, and he may even give them jobs that, a job that they don't even, they're not even uh, thinking about, but a job that they, that they love. God blesses a generous heart. So how are you being generous? We tend to say upper class and then middle class and then lower class, but God never divides men horizontally. God always divides them vertically. The sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost, the saints and the ain'ts. How you treat people is a test in how much you love God. And you can say, man, I love God with all my heart. And, and, and I'm really close to him. But if you don't love people, and you're a jerk to people, that's just lip service, man. That doesn't mean anything. We are called to treat everybody like they are somebody. To treat everybody like they are somebody. Let's bring up that pics of those, of those triplets there from that video. These triplets, Heaton, Wilder, and Holden, are almost three years old. And the biggest days of their week are Tuesdays and Fridays, or garb day, as they call them. The days they run out and greet their favorite sanitation workers, Mr. Chad, Mr. Rob, and Mr. Andrew. The mom, Martha, has been posting the videos of her children's favorite day on her Facebook page each week for the past three years, showing them jumping up and down for the garb truck. Every week we catch up on life, she says, what's going on with them and their families, and to see what's new. 
The video showing the sheer joy and excitement of her three little ones has been shared more than 34 million times on social media. You know, we see this, we saw that video, and there's something that, like, spoke to our hearts. Something, something simple as, with the definition of just love. Think about what kind of example this mom is setting for her kids. No prejudice, no partiality, no favoritism. And that's what James is saying. Show me your faith in action by how you love and treat all people. And uh, Monday's our garbage day, and I'm thinking about, hey, Let's get the kiddos out there. Let's live, on a, let's live on our sanitation workers a little bit. You know, I think about the bridge here, and we have nearly 90 kids a week that walk through these doors at this campus alone. That means that there are a ton of young families at the bridge Goldsboro. Also tells me that your guys' love life is doing pretty good as well. <coughs> Glory. Someone said, awkward. Hey, man. <laughs> do I know how to keep it awkward up in here? You bet I do. Pastor Awkward. That's my new nickname. <clears throat> you know, parents, you know, the keep, keep on bringing your kids to church as we love to pour into them. But discipleship is mostly going to happen at home. At home. You have an incredible influence on your kids. How they see you treat people when you are out in public. How they hear you talk about people at home is shaping them more than you realize. <clears throat> what if we treat people the way God treats us with love, compassion, patience, understanding, and grace and mercy? Now, have you noticed a difference in how you have been treating people this month with this series? Especially people who are different than you. Hopefully you have, and if you haven't noticed a change, <clears throat> I encourage you to go back and listen to the messages once again and start praying more for opportunities. And I'm telling you what, man, I've been praying for opportunities like crazy this past month with this series, and it is unreal the opportunities God is giving me to get to know people, not like on a surfacey level, but on a, and on a deep level, on a friendship level with people that are different from me, that don't look like me, that are not from where I'm from. <clears throat> Have you been more sensitive to the divine appointments God is giving you throughout the week? Let me share about a divine story that I <clears throat> heard about this past week with a mom that attends the bridge, and she's got a, a few kids. So it was, uh, it was actually Monday, so the uh, day after last Sunday, and, and we, uh, uh, I was talking to her, and, and she was saying that she was with the kids, and she was out running some errands, and she rem remembered, me about, uh, remembered me about talking <clears throat> about like fast food workers, 
that don't have transportation, and a lot of times you see them walking on the side of the road. And, and so this mom with a couple young kids pulled off to the side of the road, and it was, a, it was a young girl that did not look like her at all. And she works on a fast food uh, restaurant uh, on Way Memorial. I won't say which one it is. But, um, and she said, hey, can I give you a ride to work? And she said, really? And she said, yeah, I'd love to give you a ride to work. And so this young gal was talking to the mom. Come to find out that she's, this, this young gal is in her early 20s. And she, it takes her an hour, because she lives right down the road from here, it takes her an hour to get to work to walk one way to Wayne Memorial. She is a mom with a small child who has a trach, permit trach in his throat. And she is starting school this summer at Wayne Community to continue to further her education. What if that, that mom with, with the kids that picked her up didn't stop and passed up that opportunity? How much of an impact do you think that made on the kids in the back seats that my mom would take, a, take, take some time aside from a busy day with errands and pick up this young gal who walks to work? I'm telling you what, guys, if you pray for opportunities, I guarantee, guarantee God will give you more opportunities. The second half of this message, I want to touch on this. What if you're the one who is being rejected or looked down upon? There are three things that the Lord says about that. Number one, God chooses what the world rejects. God chooses what the world rejects. Abraham Lincoln said, God must have loved common people. He made so many of them. As a matter of fact, it is God's divine plan that most of his work is done with poor, ordinary people. Can I get an amen, man? <laughs> 1 Corinthians 1, 26-29, paraphrase, God says, I have ordained and chosen to use ordinary people so that when it is done, human flesh won't get the glory. God will get the glory. Listen, man, there are things that are happening in your life that God is doing through you, that there's no way you can take the credit for. Like we can try, but ultimately it's the one that God is doing it. It's just amazing what, like I'm an ordinary guy, man. I, I really am. It's amazing what I see God doing in me and through me, especially, especially in these last few years. So God takes the weak and makes them witnesses. God takes the base and turns them into believers. God takes the despised and makes them disciples. God takes the nobodies and makes them noble. That's God's plan. That's God's plan. <clears throat> Number two, the riches of <clears throat> the rejected is found in their faith. 
you see, a rich man has a tendency to trust his money. The poor man has to trust the Lord. And so there's just this sort of built-in tendency toward faith among those that are poor. Being poor should not immediately be seen as a curse. It may indeed be a blessing. Sometimes it's riches that may need, that may be a curse. You know, I love, uh, I love a little bit of rock and roll. Uh, I know a little bit of rap. That's the rap sign, just in case you didn't know. But I love me some country, man. I love me some country and, and the song lyrics. I was listening to the car the other day, but for the grace of God by Keith Urban. You guys know that song? Two people shook their head. Listen, we are in Goldsboro, North Carolina. There should be a little more country music going on around here. Okay, Just, you're not working with me. That's okay. That's okay. <clears throat> but I was listening to these lyrics, and they really spoke to my heart. And uh, it's a little bit older song. Uh, I think it came out in 99. I watched the video. Super cheesy. Probably wouldn't recommend watching the video. But the lyrics are good. And it says, I can see that the old man, he's walking past our door. And I've been told that he's rich, but he seems so poor. Because no one comes to call on him, and his phone, it never rings. He wanders through his empty house, surrounded by his things. And silently I say a little prayer, oh Lord, I'd be lost, but for the grace of God. James 2.5 says, has not God chosen the poor of this world to be rich in faith? So when you see a poor man, if you snub him, you really may be snubbing a spiritual millionaire. So be very careful. Thirdly, the rejected end up in heaven. The rejected end up in heaven. The third thing James says about the poor, not only is he chosen of God, not only is he rich in faith, he is an heir of the kingdom which God has promised to them that love him, that love him. So just because you're poor doesn't mean you automatically spend eternity with Jesus. You have to love him. But I'm telling you, be very careful how you treat the poor because this person may be very, very important to the world to come. And when you're in heaven, you're going to be on the same level, man. There's a lot of people that we look down on in this life who are believers. And in heaven, the ground is level, man. The ground is level. Psalm 37 talks about how the meek shall inherit the earth. The meek shall inherit the earth. I, I, I came across these quotes that I wanted to share about meekness. I, I talked about meekness on, uh, on Thursday, and uh, I always talked to my wife to ask her how, how I did, and, and uh, she had suggested that I share a little bit more about meekness and the definition of that. And uh, so I'm going to do that because I listen to my wife. A happy wife is a happy life, right? A meek person will be happy or blessed, living in humility and being willing to forego one's rights for the benefit of someone else models the attitude of Jesus Christ. Striving for power and prestige is not 
the path to blessedness, meeknesses. So do you desire power and, pres and prestige? John Piper, who is way smarter than I am, I read, I read something this morning about that, and, and I kind of want to paraphrase what he said, uh, but, but meekness is not weakness. I think a lot of times we, we, we think that, that, that being meek is just being a pushover and, and allowing anyone to just walk all over you, and, and it's never standing up for yourself. It's never standing up for what's truth and never standing up for, for what's right, and, and that's not it at all. The meek wait on the Lord and don't try to overtake situations. Think about your situation right now. Are you trying to overtake it? Are you trying to be the one in control? But the meek trust in God to move. Biblical meekness is rooted in the deep confidence that God is for you and not against you. It's not being passive or lazy. It means that the meek have a kind of steady calm that comes from knowing that God is completely in control. That God will work all things out for his glory and for what is best for them, not necessarily what is easiest or most convenient, which we desire. That's what we want, right? We want what's most convenient and, and what's most easy. Well, that's often not how God works, and that's not often how our faith gets built up. Meek people have a quiet steadiness about their lives in the most difficult times. They refrain from anger and bitterness and don't get worked up over the wickedness that seems to prosper. So do you have anger and bitterness in your life? And does that seem to kind of rule relationships and, and circumstances? With the meek, their family, work, and life are in God's sovereign hands. They trust him. They wait patiently and quietly to see how God's power and goodness will overcome any and every situation. That's good stuff, man. If you want to, if you want to listen or read more about it, I just posted on my Facebook page. And uh, check that out. If you are someone who feels like they are looked down upon because you are poor, because you look different than those around you, or whatever else it may be, I want you to know that God knows exactly how you feel. He is with you because when Jesus walked the earth, that is exactly how he was treated. Acts 4.11 says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So when Jesus walked the earth, man, he was despised, he was hated, he was looked down upon. And yet he was God in the flesh. And even though he was rejected by the world, even though he was rejected by the ones that he came to save and give life to, he's the cornerstone. What's the cornerstone? The cornerstone is the foundation. It's the foundation of Christianity. It's the foundation of faith. It should be the foundation of your life, the foundation of your, <clears throat> of your marriage, the foundation of your family. Ever seen a building without a cornerstone? No, because it's not standing anymore. And if you don't have Jesus as your, corner, as your cornerstone, you don't have life. You, you, are, 
you are walking around as a dead man or as a dead woman without Christ. Listen, we don't serve a disconnected God. We don't serve a disconnected God. We serve a God who knows exactly what we're going through, who can relate to us. That's the kind of God that I want to serve. That's the kind of God that I want to follow. Listen to this. It's so important. I wish I could preach about it, like just take a whole series on this, and maybe I will down the road. But if I'm God's child, then everything I have belongs to God. All right? If I'm God's child, then everything I have belongs to God, which includes my pain, belongs to God. My questions, my heartache, my confusion, my debts, my problems, my struggles, all belong to God. Please get that because that is so important. You know, here we are, we surrender our hearts to God, but then we think we have to bear the pain and the difficulties of life on our own. That's not the case. If you are God's, then everything belongs to him. Some of us just need to have a heart-to-heart talk with God right now. We need to pour out how we're feeling. And, And some of you right now, to be honest, and I do it too, some, are, some of you are internalizing all of that, and you're carrying the burden of your pain, your questions, your heartache, your confusion, your debt, your problems, and your struggles, and you are bearing the load on all of that. And Jesus is saying, talk to me and talk to others and quit internalizing that. Listen, if your kids... We're having an issue with someone at school or a situation. Wouldn't you, want, wouldn't you want them to talk to you about that? Like, I would. You know, I know a lot of you moms dropped off your babies at college this past week. And uh, you, you, you kept it strong for the most part, but on the way home, you could not stop crying. And I know some of you dads were like that as well. Listen, I'm going to be a crier. I'm like, I'm going to embarrass my kids when they get older. It's just the way it is. You know, listen, they say people that cry live longer. So you got me for another good 50 years. But I'm saying, quit internalizing everything. If you have given your heart and your soul to Jesus Christ, then give him your situation as well. You know, we, we, God, I give you my soul. I give you, I'm starting to preach. All right. I, I give you my heart and I give you my soul and I trust you with forever, but I can't trust you with today. How absurd does that sound? Trust him with everything. God, you own my situation. You own my problem. You own how I'm, how I'm being mistreated. You know, you own how I'm being looked down upon. You know all the people that are being a snob towards me. That's yours to deal with. Amen? So where do we go from here? We need the Holy Spirit to dwell in our lives. 
or else. You know what we're going to do after this series is done? We're going to drift back to old ways once again. It's your choice to live like a snob or to live like a victim or to live a sanctified life. Meaning you are set apart and becoming more like Jesus and less of yourself. It's your choice. The choice is up to you, the kind of life you want to live. True wisdom comes from God. Let's, let's turn to, uh, to James. This, and I think this is James, uh, is it James 3, I believe? I think we have that verse up on the screen. I think we do, maybe. But the wisdom from above is first of all pure, it is also peace-loving, gentle at all times, and willing to yield to others. It is full of mercy and the fruit of good deeds. It shows no favoritism and is always sincere. And those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of righteousness. Man, that's what I want. That's what I want. To be gentle, full of mercy, good deeds, showing no favoritism, being sincere. I love how what the Amplified Version says. It says, don't be arrogant, but courteous, considerate, and gentle, and full of compassion. God will honor and bless that kind of life lived for him. That's the kind of God we serve, man. And I know it's hard sometimes because we see people be mistreated. And, uh, and you may have some opportunities to stand up and say, that's not right. That's not right. I'm going to do something about it. Listen, if John Canunes uh, or whatever, how you say his name, what's, what's the show he, he does? Yeah, Quinones. You tell him not. From that background, I don't know how to share anything. Uh, what would you do? You guys watch that show? Two of you watch shows. Listen, it's good because all of you are watching Right Now Media, right? So you don't even have time for TV. Uh, but do you ever watch that show? What would you do? And, man, I hope, like, I'm always, I, I hope that I'm the guy that always takes a stand. But you never know. He could come to Goldsboro sometime. You never know. My wife was out with some, uh, with some friends uh, a few weeks ago, and uh, they were at a, a popular restaurant, and it was packed out. It was a Saturday night, and um, there was a large party there, that was, uh, and they were waiting for the food, and it was like over an hour, and it was just, it was just a busy, busy night. And so the, the food comes. And then the waiter comes, and he asks this one guy at the table to hand the plate over to the other lady. And the dude is, like, mad, all right? He's mad because he's waited an hour, and now he's mad that this waiter told him to hand a plate to someone he felt like the waiter should have done. That's his job. The guy gets so mad, stands up flicks the tray of food and the plates go shattered on the ground. Then he spits in the guy's face. Uh Uh-uh. 
this is a young guy. It's, 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 a, it's, a young, uh, uh, it's, it's a young food runner. It wasn't even the waiter. <clears throat> the guy just walks out of the room, you know. Then there's a mom and a, a, a young family that's sitting there at the table. And the, ki- the little kids are crying because they're scared. The dad just sits there, and the mom gets up. You know, mama, like the mama cub? I mean, the mama bear, you know? Anyone, any mama bear up in here? I, I, listen, I know some of you. I know we got more mama bears in here. And uh, the mom stands up, gets in this guy's face and says, would you stop it? You're scaring the kids. And the guy's just a jerk, and he's like, uh, that needs Jesus. And, uh, <coughs> and, and he's a... Uh, um, and, uh, and, and so they take the, 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 the manager comes in and asks them, what's the problem? They actually move this family to another room because the kids are scared. They can't even, you know, eat their chicken nuggets. They're so scared. And, uh, and, then, and then the guy, you know, sits back down, and, and, and they serve him and everything. Do you know what Sabrina said to her friends, the first thing she said? She said, I'm really glad Jeremy's not here right now. Listen, man, I know I'm little, but, but, (laughs) Cash loves that. (laughs) Listen, you're going to probably be little, too, because daddy's little, so. (laughs) Um, But, uh, that was not nice. I love you, buddy. You're going to be 6'5". But, but, I tell you what, um. If there's one thing, this has been a tough message. I mean, it's, it's, been, it's been a tough series, and I, I have not held back at all. And if you've been on Sundays, man, it's, you know, we, we have fun. And, but this, this series has been a little bit more serious because there's nothing that gets me more, that, that boils my blood more than rude and inconsiderate people. It drives me crazy. Especially if I know that person says they love Jesus. And we should not be okay with that. And if you ever see me acting like that, well, not like that, but if you ever see me acting, you know, rude uh, or rude to someone, call me out, man. Call me out because you know what my tendency is to do is to drift as well. But we should be set apart as believers. I don't know what opportunities you're going to get this week, but God's going to give you an opportunity to be Jesus to someone. Don't pass it by.